Welcome to the Travel Like a Boss podcast, the radio show all about traveling like a boss by being your own boss. Stay tuned for weekly interviews featuring guests that have built their own online businesses. If you would like to have access to our entire back catalog, visit travellikeabosspodcast.com for instant access. And here's your host, Johnny SD. Hey everyone, this is Johnny. Welcome to Travel Like a Boss podcast, episode 78. I'm here with George Schreiner and Jackie Berlo from San Diego, California. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. So tell me about the story. Where are we now and how did you guys end up here? So we are in Chiang Mai. We've been here a few weeks from San Diego. We're at the start of a year or possibly longer trip around the world, starting in Chiang Mai, traveling around Southeast Asia and beyond, and just kind of working as we go. Okay, awesome. And how, whose idea was that to move out here? Well, I think we've always both had a passion for travel since before we even met. Um, I think Chiang Mai was his idea, and mm-hmm. but I've always wanted to come to Southeast Asia, and I knew that you know a week or two time off from a regular nine to five wouldn't be enough to really see this part of the world the way that I wanted to. So he's been working remotely for longer and kind of encouraged going in that direction, so we would be able to do this. Very cool. And uh, what were you doing before? Did did you quit that job? I did quit that job. I was working uh, with children with autism. Mm -hmm. Um, I worked in people's homes for a while. I was working at a sort of school, preschool sort of setting um, previously, most recently, which was a very, you know, nine to five in the most standard sense. So it's a big lifestyle change for me. Yeah. And how do you like the trip so far? I love it. Yeah, it's, uh, it's very nice. Uh, <laughs> Chiang Mai has been fantastic. We're really getting a good feel for it, starting to meet some other people here, other entrepreneurs and like-minded travelers. And it's just been, it's such a cool city. There's so many awesome cafes, places to work and new things to see. So it's, it's been awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. And you, so you guys have been working out of Kaway, which is a local coffee shop. Yeah, we've been there a lot. We've kind of bounced around a few different coffee shops. We have a couple favorites. Um, that's where we've been either working from home or uh, working out at the coffee shops mostly. Yeah. Okay, nice. So what were you doing back at home and what are you doing now? So for me, I'm pretty much doing the same work that I have been doing for a few years. Uh, selling online, mostly hunting and archery mm-hmm. products on my own site georgesports.com and then also on Amazon uh, which has been going pretty well and uh, so I've really been able to work from anywhere for years but living in San Diego primarily traveling a little bit and finally getting out and doing a lot more travel now which I've been thinking about for quite a while so tell me about how how you came with the name George Sports well (laughs) that's uh, it's been a while it's been a few years since I came up with that I originally envisioned a site that was more broad-based, that wasn't specifically having to do with hunting and archery, and it was going to cover uh, many different sports, and that's kind of what I started with. I tried to sell a lot of uh, fan gear, this kind of thing, and then gradually just kind of moved into focusing, trying to focus the site more on the products that were selling better for me, categories that were selling better, and just wanted to stick with the domain since I'd had it for years. That makes sense. So you you kind of tried all different types of sporting sporting goods. Yeah, pretty wide range of uh, of products. But when I started out, I was just looking for any supplier that would mm-hmm. sign up with me and give me a shot, and basically. And uh, so I was just kind of trying a lot of different things to see what would stick, mm-hmm. and found good a lot of success with archery and hunting in particular. And so this is kind of what I decided to try to focus the site a little bit more and uh that's what kind of where i am now very cool i actually give that advice to people often who are starting stores outside of the u.s some places like the uk or australia where there's just not as many suppliers and people are a bit worried about not being able to find uh enough product manufacturers that will prove them for job like because is this all drop shipped it's 
well, pretty much all dropship. I'm doing uh, well. I'm doing some FBA uh, with Amazon, but mm -hmm. in terms of my own site, it's 100% uh, dropship. Yes. Okay, so everything on GeorgeSports.com is dropshipped, and yeah. then are, are you saying that like some of those items that sell well, you also import and sell on Amazon? Um, I'm not importing anything, or I don't have not producing any of my own products. What I'm doing is finding certain products that I'm selling well either on my own site or on usually on Amazon and just as a drop ship off Amazon and then if I see something that's selling really well looks like a good candidate for FBA I'll go to my supplier buy a bunch in bulk and send them in to have them FBA and then have the benefits of all the FBA uh, prime shipping and you, know, you can usually price your items a little bit higher mm -hmm. um, and sell sell more in a faster period of time so I think that's a really good idea that, that you're doing that and I'm actually surprised more people don't do that yeah uh, so these items are they like how expensive are the ones that you're FBAing um, it varies probably the retail is anywhere from like $30 $40 at the very low end up to mm -hmm. like uh, a couple hundred Okay. So probably the, the average is around uh, 100 to 150 some, something like this. And usually I'm looking for smaller items. Those work best. Uh, anything that's larger can cost a lot to ship, or Amazon charges extra fees for oversized items. Uh, so usually the smaller the better. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. Because so I think the reason why most people aren't going that route yet is, so let's say they're selling an expensive item you know, mm. that's over $100. Right. And they're not really that sure if it's going to sell well or not. Yeah. They don't want to spend all that money and just have it sit in a warehouse on Amazon. Yeah, that's definitely one of the big risks involved mm -hmm. with it. You'd think it's a no-brainer. Sometimes I find a product and I think, wow, I'm just going to buy as many mm -hmm. of these as I can because I've sold 20 or 30 and they've sold really fast. And then as soon as I buy 100, then there's other competition uh, sometimes Amazon itself jumps in when they weren't selling before mm. and then suddenly overnight it can be difficult to move the stuff and it can you have to sort of wait for either wait it out for <laughs> others to go out of stock or if that doesn't happen you know you, you might have to just cut your prices and just try to break even and, and move on and, and have you had to do that before yeah a few times okay a few times for sure yeah and was it like a big loss or was it just no a no pain? no usually very minor like usually what I'll try to do is is just cut if I have to if something say hasn't sold for maybe six months or more mm -hmm. and it's not looking good then I'll just cut the price to somewhere around my cost and I'll lose a little bit of money on each item but you know pretty minor and the benefit is obviously I'm getting the cash back and I can just try to find some other product okay where I can make yeah so at the end of the world it's not it's not that big of a deal it's just a no. little bit of money a little bit of time yeah okay yeah yeah that's the biggest I think thing that maybe holds some people back from FBA mm -hmm. like you're saying is the big difference with drop shipping you're not putting up any money until you've sold it and now you're taking on a risk by buying this inventory and there's it's always a risk involved with that because you you know you don't know for sure you're going to sell it until it's until it's sold so i think in just those like five minutes we've been talking people can lay out an entire plan they can Probably, you know yeah and and what i would absolutely suggest is especially if you're in a place uh, where you're unsure if there's enough dropship suppliers, like in the UK or Australia, yeah. do a big generic store with, you know, and you call it, you know, johnnysports.com or johnnysfurniture.com. Yeah, sure. Right, right. And then just sell everything, uh, figure out, you know, who you can get approved by, what sells well, and then niche down from there. Mm -hmm. And then the things that niche down well, that sell well, then the next obvious choice is to, to send it to Amazon, buy it in bulk, make, maybe make a little bit more, more margin off of that. Yeah, exactly, right. You can usually get a little better price from your supplier if you buy in bulk. They'll, they'll give you a better price per unit, and then you can price it higher, sell it for a little higher when you're FBAing it. Amazon will allow you to get that buy box even with if you're priced a few dollars higher than your competition. So That makes sense. So, Jackie, when you and George started dating, was he already doing this? And when you like what did he how did you first find out about like what does he actually do because was it was a pretty easy explanation or were you like you're selling what online um i think it was pretty easy because i think he just said 
he sold stuff on Amazon. He was like a merchant on Amazon for the most part. He had his own website too. And um, it was like he had some more fan sort of memorabilia stuff um, on the site at, back at that time. So it just, yeah, it seemed pretty standard. And I was like, oh, so you don't have any, you know, items in your, you don't have like a warehouse or anything. And he's, you know, I knew what drop shipping was. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it wasn't too complicated. So when me and Larissa first started dating a few years ago, she knew that I did some kind of online business, and I told her I had e-commerce stores, but I was very protective of my niche. So even for the first, I think, like six months we dated, never told her what my store was, really? <laughs> never said what I wow. sold. That's hilarious. That's, that's really funny. And to me, it was like a big commitment. I was like, one day I said, babe... <laughs> You know, I, I want I wanted to show you something. So like, <laughs> she's like, okay, what is it? <laughs> and I pull over and I say like this, like I want to show you what I saw. This is my website. Wow, and that's, she, that's love, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and she took one look at it and she's like, she's like, oh, that's it. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. And she's like, she's like, you made it. You know, she's like, you're so secretive about it. I, th I thought for sure you're selling sex toys. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta be, yeah. Something illegal. <laughs> but so I like that you, you openly talk about your your store and your niches. Has it how's that helped you kind of grow grow the brand grow your business? Um. Well, I mean, I so far I really haven't been out. It's not like I've been on a lot of podcasts talking uh -huh. about this kind of thing. But I've found just, for example, since I've been in Chiang Mai, or just meeting someone like you or anybody else around that's doing something similar. Um, yeah, I feel like there's really no downside to let somebody know, you know, what kind of products I'm selling. I don't think that's any big secret. I'm happy to to let people know what I'm selling. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's great. There's, it's some place like, place like Chiang Mai is you can meet people and really people here, everyone I've come in contact with has been so helpful and open mm -hmm. and willing to, you know, offer suggestions on a anything that they know about. So, uh, you know, I just met the other day a new person brand new to drop shipping and tried to help her out, give her some sort of beginner advice and, you know, I'm happy to do it because, you know, people helped me out along the way as well. So I like it. And actually just um, while you were saying that, I was looking at your site and I already have, I already made like three mental notes of suggestions I want to give you uh, after the call. Well, fantastic. <laughs> That'd be great. I'd appreciate it. Yeah. So how, so how actually did you get started with your dropshipping store? Um, well, I used to many, many years ago work for another company that had a dropshipping model and worked there a few years. I got laid off and after getting laid off decided, you know, I think I can give this a shot on my own. I've learned enough and I sort of, that's where I sort of got the base knowledge of mm -hmm. how it works and just some basic ideas of what, what to look for, what to do, not do. And uh, so that's, that's kind of where I got my start. But then, you know, even starting out then, I really didn't know that much. And I just learned a lot by trial and error. And uh, just, I really, I think for most of my life, I've thought I would love to have my own business. I'd like to work for myself, be an entrepreneur, but I just never knew what I wanted to do or how to make it happen. And this was finally how I made it happen. And, you know, uh, it's it's been great. Nice. <clears throat> so did, did you figure out most of this on your own, or did you? Are you a member of Anton's course? I am a member of Anton's course. Yeah, I did join that um, maybe a year and a half ago, something mm -hmm. like this. So I had already been in business for a few years, but heard about it. I think from you, from your blog, or maybe podcast something, and uh, decided to give it a shot because uh, it seemed like there's a lot of good stuff in there and. Mm -hmm. And also the community, just another chance to meet some more uh, people doing similar work. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, there's, and I think you can always, no matter where you are, you can always learn, learn new things, pick up a few tips. And sometimes it's just a couple of small changes you make to your store that can have a big difference uh, yeah. in the long run. So. Yeah, I think, I think, definitely think so as well. I, I would say for most people, they'll get the biggest benefit when they're just starting out and they don't really know what they're doing. Mm. So they want kind of like a step by step formula to follow right, right but you make a good point too where if you're already making money with your your store and you kind of somehow piece it together on your own or because you worked at a company that did something similar 
you know, just those couple of little tips can bring in, let's say, a couple hundred dollars extra a month or a couple more sales a month, and it kind of just pays for itself. Oh, yeah, it pays for itself in a, in a hurry. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, you mentioned the, the community before. Do you actually post in the forum? Because I don't think I've seen you on there. No, no, I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> Never once. Uh, You're but, a lurker. Yeah, I'm definitely a lurker. But uh, I have kind of, you know, popped in there and read, read, tried to read some things and, you know, tried to find some some info in there but no I haven't that's probably one of the most interesting things is knowing how many people probably aren't shoes like yours where they have a successful store right they read the forums they like they're a part of the course but I've never heard from them never met them didn't even know you existed until <laughs> I know. literally yesterday I know it's just so funny yeah I mean just you know met at the uh, having lunch so <laughs> yeah it's <laughs> <That's> funny <laughs> so yeah so, so Jackie how how did we actually meet? Um, well, I knew what you looked like because <laughs> because when he was telling me that Chiang Mai was a great place to move to and I hadn't really heard of it about a year ago, he told me to follow you on Instagram. So, um, yeah, we were sitting having lunch the other day and we just saw you and your friend walking across the street and, and we recognized you <laughs> because I've been following you on Instagram for a year. So... Yeah, I think we just introduced ourselves and said, you know, you're a big part of our inspiration for coming here. And it's true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think we would be here today, or in, probably would have never come to Chiang Mai if I hadn't heard you talking about it and saying how you know you liked living here, and that sort of just got the ball rolling in my head, where I thought, wow, this I can really you know make this happen. I think, and it's also maybe you or somebody else, another podcast, I'm not sure, is saying you know you're the average of the five, five people, people that you're surrounding with. yourself with yeah, yeah exactly and that sort of got that really hit home with me as well and I thought yeah I really need to instead of just sitting home in San Diego mm. and not meeting new people and just working alone all day I need to kind of get out there and meet some more people so well the crazy thing is like San Diego of all places probably has more entrepreneurs than most of the U.S. And but there's still hard to find, right? That's true. Yeah, I don't think there's if there is a real network there, I, I haven't tapped into it. So yeah, and it's definitely not a place where you would randomly bump into someone, you know, at a restaurant and be like, oh, hey, you know, let's let's yeah. hang out, let's let's do a podcast together. Right, yeah. right. I think there's just a different mindset of people who have come to Chiang Mai mm -hmm. or just travelers in general or just kind of more open to meeting new people and yeah, bumping into people and, and talking about what they're doing and you know, making connections. Nice. So Jackie, you're starting, your, well you have your own um, blog now as well. So can yes. you tell us about that? Um, yeah, well when I knew, when we were kind of getting this trip in the works, um, we actually had been talking about it for about a year before we actually left. We wanted to be totally sure it's what we wanted to do. And for me it was a little bit more, I guess of a risk because I was, quitting my job and my only income at the time. So um, I was kind of thinking for the last few months about what I could do to try to work remotely. Um, I didn't really think the dropshipping store was for me, although if anyone could convince me, it'd probably be you. So, um, <laughs> but um, yeah, so I've, I've worked with children with autism for, for several years now, and I have, you know, some certifications in that. And um, I was trying to think of a way I could, you know, start something with that. And George encouraged me to start a blog, so um, now I have a blog. It's called yourautismwhisperer.com, and it's basically just tips for parents, um, geared obviously for parents of children with autism. But none of the you know none of the strategies or none of my training is you know specifically only for autism. So I definitely am telling any parents to check it out. Um, most of my experience, most recently, is with toddlers, so it's kind of more geared towards that. I just did a whole thing on potty training, so um, just that sort of thing. But yeah, for right now, I'm just just trying to get some good content up there and just trying to get a lot of readers. And you know, I'm not even exactly sure what I'm going to do to monetize, but just figure I'll get some readers and then kind of go from there. I'm a big believer in creating good content first and having that kind of organically, naturally spread, and then the the money will come. I mean, like my blog, Johnny FD, never was intended to make money, from, you know. And I actually remember yeah. specifically having this conversation with a, my, one of my good friends, Kurt, uh, who now lives in Finland. <laughs> but we, uh, he was kind of one of the guys I hung out with a lot when I first got to Chiang Mai. 
and it was like uh it's probably two years ago where he, i remember him sitting down to me saying hey johnny you should buy johnnyft.com and i was like no no i got johnnyft.blogspot.com it's it's, right. it's, it's fine <laughs> you know it's free and he's like and he i remember him saying he's like well you know if you want to make this into a business you know you have to have the domain and I said, well, it's not a business. It's just my personal blog. And it was literally written just for my friends and my family. Right. And I liked sharing what was working, you know. And he somehow convinced me <laughs> to spend the $10. <laughs> <laughs> Which, you know, now it sounds funny, right? Like, I, I, like, I laugh about it. But I think at the time, I was so broke. And my, my, my budget was so small. My mentality was so, like, scarce that I was... I didn't want to spend the $10. I was thinking, well... This is an extra ten dollars per year, you know, that's gonna add up. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. and I think yeah. in the last two years, I mean that website without really trying has made, you know, I don't know, a couple thousand dollars, if not more than ten, twenty thousand dollars just from that website. That's incredible, yeah. And that's great. Even from things that like I never intended to, to monetize. So and it's just because it started with good content. And then people kind of just started following and sharing it. Uh, so, I, you know, that's what I teach in my new course. I don't know if you've seen it. Uh, I did, yeah. I, I, I saw a couple of your emails about it as well, yeah. Yeah, so I'm pretty excited. Um, I think we have our first, I think, like 25 or 30 students. So I'm kind of just using, I'm trying to mold them first before, you know, spending. I, I haven't spent any money advertising yet. I'm just like, wow. it's all word of mouth. And yeah, and I figure, you know what, it's one of those things where I can have a huge launch in the beginning and say, like, only available for two days, you know, you have to sign up now, or I can just have those 25 people come in and have some of them become really successful and they will be the best, Mm -hmm. like, marketing ever. Totally, yeah. yeah. I think that's a great way to do it, yeah. That's great, though, that you got that many already, you know, to uh, give it a shot, so... Yeah, That's appreciate cool. it. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited about it, and Sounds it's cool. it's like a new new chapter in the life, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. So I, I don't want to get too deep into autism because this podcast has nothing to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> but just because I like personally, I have so many questions about it. Mm-hmm. So I briefly mentioned to you yesterday uh, at the at the restaurant, but kind of just for everyone here. So my sister has sent me so many links and articles and videos and documentaries about autism especially the correlation between autism and vaccines. So she is super against vaccines. And I've watched all the info, I've read all the articles. And here's kind of my, my decision from a, from a person who's just a person, this is my personal opinion. I'm not a doctor, I'm not a researcher, but I feel like it's complicated as heck. <laughs> and that nobody actually knows what the hell is going on. <laughs> Sort of. <laughs> I think that's part of the problem, yeah, because they don't, there's, you know, tons of studies that try to, you know, find out what causes autism, and to my knowledge, there's nothing really that says anything specifically. There's been, like, a very small correlation saying um, there's probably something genetic going on in there, because if your first child has autism, it's, like, slightly more likely that the second will. Um, I haven't read on any of this very recently, so... Don't quote me on this, but um, uh, I do know that like the very first study that first came out saying vaccines cause autism has been, I think, just like pulled from the journal. It's something to do with the you know the research wasn't done correctly or something. Um, although I think more have come out now. I don't know. It's 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 a big political issue. Um, I personally am pro vaccines. I don't. I think that the benefit of them is much more important and much bigger than the possible link, which has really been disproved many times as well. Um, but I know I've also met parents that, you know, are 100% convinced that their child was totally fine until they got some vaccines and, and now they, you know, the child has autism and you, you can't really argue with them, when, you know, when it's their child. So it's, so it's I think tough. From what I've seen and what I've read, uh, there definitely has been a few cases where there was a direct causation from a vaccine injury and I think the reason why at least in my mind that that was proven is because the either the vaccine company or whatever the vaccine court paid those those parents and said Mm -hmm. look you know obviously your kid has lots of issues like it's you can you could see it just in the child you know they they have an injury they have a like mental injuries and 
that they were actually they were paid out you know millions of dollars because of these injuries hmm. um so i could see you know but that's a very small percentage of people and unfortunately i think also the argument is for those parents to get paid out and it was such a big headache mm-hmm. that most parents, even though their kids suffer from, you know, whatever injury it is, whether it's it's autism or something more severe, they just can't even go through that process because it's such a big legal process. Yeah, sure so maybe there's more parents, you know, who, you know, who have you know had their kids suffer through this that you know, haven't actually been able to to get proven or spoken out. But I would say, you know, just kind of from my personal point of view, I think that. The majority, the vast majority, like maybe even like ni- more than ninety nine point whatever percent uh, of people do benefit from from vaccines. So the U.S. as a whole, the world as a whole, you know, one hundred percent benefits from it. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, the more power these you know these companies have, um, the more and the more vaccines they introduce, and the the crazier the schedule gets. Yeah, I think that's also going to have a lot of issues. So. What I suggested to my sister, you know, instead of being completely anti-vax, I was like, well, why don't you guys fight against, you know, certain ones that you don't think need to be there? Because out of the 42 vaccines or whatever it is that a kid gets before they're seven, um, maybe there's a few that just mm-hmm. maybe aren't as needed. You know, maybe mm-hmm. a few that should be given later or maybe there's, you know, there, there's a few that maybe could, could be completely eliminated. Yeah. Um, but just saying completely zero zero vaccines, I, I don't I definitely hundred percent don't think that's right. Yeah, I guess I should when I said that it was pro vaccine, I'm yeah. not thinking like go get every shot you can possibly find and get it now. But um, you know, for some of the big ones like people are getting measles again and people don't need to get measles again. So yeah. <laughs> things like that. But and I think another thing is, um, a lot of times Especially if it's your first child, parents aren't aware of the very initial signs of autism. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of people, one of the most common questions they get when people find out what I do is like, how can you look at a six month old and, and like know they have autism or something? Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of parents um, maybe don't, you, it's, it's harder to see the delays when the peers that are the same age aren't like advancing. Mm-hmm. And once you get to like, you know, two, two and a half, three, it's much more clear to see that oh, this child's behind you know peers that are the same age and a lot of times with the vaccine schedule a lot are given maybe one and a half two and then they're like oh well i didn't notice he was delayed but now he got these vaccines and oh my gosh now i see he's so far behind his peers so that's just another another thing that sometimes parents might not be aware that there were some signs but they're just more subtle and they're harder to see you know in an infant i can definitely see that but i think for, for me the, the question is always how could we prevent it instead of how we can treat it or how we can better diagnose it? Right. Is there any way to like, let's say you do want to have a child in the next two years. Is there anything you could do to your health, your diet, your location, or you know anything that, that could help prevent uh, having autism or your kid having autism? Not that I know of. Um, I mean, you could look at the, the rates per country because mm-hmm. they are, I don't think they're the same. I think there are countries that they say have less. Um, so there could be something, I don't know, something in the air, something about cultural dietary things. Um, but I don't know of anything specifically that's like take this vitamin, you know, anything like that. Um, I mean, I know in the U.S. they say that, it, you know, it's, it's blind. It's not like a certain race, a certain income, anything like that. It's... You know, I my clients are all over in every okay. every way. So, uh, not that I, I know mean, of. <laughs> so I, I'm 100. percent You know, I have empathy for anyone who has to go through this because mm-hmm. it's probably the one of the most devastating things any parent right. ever has to go through. And I don't want anyone ever have to go through this. Uh, I wish there was a a better answer. Um, yeah. I think the only thing I can you know I can suggest is for people to. Not take one side a hundred percent, and not say like nobody should ever get a vaccine, and then not people on the other side saying all oh, you anti-vaxxers are idiots because well, yeah. Another hard thing is like there's no, it's not like a blood test like mm-hmm. Down syndrome. You know, a pregnant woman can find out if her you know child is going to have Down syndrome before it's even born. You can never get a blood test and say there's autism. So it's not like you can test the infant to get the vaccine and then test mm-hmm. it or anything. It's you know psychologists have to observe. And you know that's how it's diagnosed. So it's what what is autism? Like just a very short definition of it. Like is <laughs> is it like a set of behaviors or is it a disease? Is it a virus? You know what is um, it? I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> 
I think it's, it's one of the, it's so it's complicated, right? Yeah, I mean, I it's not it's, a virus. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's not a disease. I would say um, it's a disorder. So yeah. technically, it's the autism spectrum disorder. Um, and actually, I know I'm, I'm not educated or trained enough to diagnose. I'm not even close. Uh-huh. And I know that the criteria that I was trained in about five years ago has changed. Okay. Um, they they change it a lot. They actually like just recently I think in the last two years Asperger's syndrome is no longer a thing it's all encompassed under this autism spectrum oh, really? disorders so yeah. there's no I mean I guess you can't say there's no such thing as Asperger's but <laughs> it's very hard because there'll be people that are basically anything older than like four that could have been diagnosed you know adults that are like oh I have Asperger's like oh no that, you don't have that that's not a thing anymore but yeah. I mean yeah it's, so it's still kind of that term people think of as just like a higher functioning autism, um, which I believe when I was trained in it meant that there wasn't a communication, um, like delay. Mm. There were other delays, but communicate, there was like three main categories, um, and communication was one of them. And then Asperger's, there wasn't that, there wasn't a delay in that field, but yeah, it's changed since I was trained in it and I was only barely trained. So, Man, so, I mean, definitely a, a complicated matter. <laughs> what? So why did you decide to create a blog about it? I mean, is this, are you very passionate about helping parents um, deal with, with, with their kids with, with, with autism or what is it? Yeah, and um, well, before my most recent job that I left, I was uh, working in home. So it was um, in California that uh, insurance or either the insurance company or the state uh, regional center would pay for these services and I would be the person that went into the home and worked with a child um, you know several times per week three to five times per week Um, and I had a supervisor who you know had a lot more training and education than me who would come and um, I I guess I feel like a lot of the times the supervisors would explain these ideas to the parents and you know they were so educated they had more knowledge and Mm. kind of in these terms that most typical parents didn't really understand fully and I felt like then I would kind of go and kind of put it in more you know more layman's terms and just also make it more practical because a lot of times the best thing to do isn't practical for someone's daily life you know you have three kids you're working one of them has autism maybe more than one of them has autism and this ideal thing which would definitely be the best these parents just couldn't do and they would be like overwhelmed and they wouldn't really do anything because it was just too much. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to create this blog that would basically say exactly what you needed to do for you know for a certain improvement that you wanted to see. Mm-hmm. And it was in simple terms that you know should be easily understood. And it's something that you can you can do right away. You can just you know read the blog and then you can start trying to implement the little the tips that I talk about. And it shouldn't be too overwhelming and it should be easy to understand. Okay. I like it, and it's cool that the two of you are doing completely, completely different things. Does you, does your, I guess your, do you guys ever your work or your knowledge ever overlap? Do you guys ever help each other with your just stores or your blog? Uh, he helps me a little bit because he's more. Well, he encouraged me to start a blog. Um, yeah, I think I've tried to help her out just because even though I don't specifically know anything about autism Mm -hmm. or even much about blogging, I've just been sort of in this space and just through listening to podcasts and learning, trying to learn about marketing, internet marketing and marketing a blog and this kind of thing. I've just picked up a few things. So like, for example, told her to uh, start capturing emails like right away from the beginning, which mm-hmm. I think is maybe something I originally heard from Pat Flynn or somewhere along the line mm-hmm. saying start a blog, start getting emails, and then eventually once you get a, a bunch of readers, you know, you have those emails and you can always com- communicate with them, contact them, try to, you know, uh, give them more information or what have you, you know, so some th- things like that a little bit or, you know, we'll we'll talk about something to do with my site. Maybe I might have some question or something rather but uh, I can't think of how like Jackie how interested are you in in George's like e-commerce business Mm, I mean I'm interested (laughs) I don't know I feel like he doesn't I don't know maybe you don't talk business that much with me um i don't think we get into a lot of the nitty-gritty of it i mean there was a time when i did say 
you know, she was saying, oh, I don't like my job. I said, oh, you should start a store. You know, you should work for yourself. I can help you. Mm -hmm. And she didn't seem that interested, perhaps because she was seeing some of the maybe less glamorous parts of running yeah, a store. Yeah, I think it's you know? more like you complain, <laughs> like sort of like, oh, this great, you know, complain about a bad thing, a crazy mm. customer, an issue, and that's kind of like, it's not, yeah, but he it's, does also, he just sends me when the customers say something funny, like, yeah. you're the yeah. best. I'm talking yeah. to George himself. Ah, <laughs> from georgesports.com. That is, that is funny, yeah. I love that when that happens, when I end up answering a lot of the calls myself because it's still, you know, more or less just me running the show and uh -huh. so when a customer calls and they say who am I speaking to and I say oh this is George <laughs> and I say oh really is everybody who answers the phone George <laughs> yeah. and they don't really believe and then or they say well really I'm talking to the George <laughs> that's amazing I can't yeah. believe it and it's 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 so funny you get a testimonial that says oh I, this was a great experience I even talked to George himself <laughs> so I think that's it, awesome it's really it's really funny when that happens and it's it's cool yeah you can help somebody out so that's really excited. I was actually going to say, um, you should definitely put your photo on your About Us page. Ah, yes, that is a good idea. That's kind of one of the things I've been meaning to do, just to kind of personalize it yeah. a little bit more. Especially if it's going to be called George Sports, you might as well I know. That's true. own it, own, own it, you know? <laughs> totally, yeah. Yeah, no reason to hide from it, yeah. I get it. So, I, I understand, like, what you're saying about this. It's just not, like, a super stressful job, but things come up all the time. Yeah. And well, I think I guess it's like he's not going to just be like I just some, a customer made an, made an order and it, it went smoothly and I didn't have to do anything and yeah. I just made thirty dollars. Like mm. he's not going to just like say that, <laughs> but it'll yeah. be like oh this one I think this return's not good like something like you know it's more like yeah. that's what you would talk about. But and I'm sure like in the very beginning like actually how long have you been running the store? Um, six years. So I, much, I yeah. guarantee if you met him five years ago, six years ago, he would have been so excited. Like, yeah, I made, true. I made my first sale. <laughs> yeah. I made a hundred dollars today. Yeah. yeah, that's true. It does change over time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and you know, it's while running the store is great for me. I think it's not for everybody. Yeah, you know, and some people like a different sort of a business that's maybe a little more passive or more hands off. And you know, I'm trying to make my store more hands-off as much as I can to automate stuff but it's still not 100% there and you know so while you're traveling do you have someone answering calls no I'm still I really don't get that that many calls uh -huh. so either I'll and sometimes I'm working pretty late so I'll answer the call if I'm awake or just uh, get back to somebody that you know the next day and it's usually not that big a deal so luckily I'm not getting too many calls right now but it's it's not really ideal so ideally you know somebody calls somebody answers and you know so so what's funny is most of my calls uh, the number list on my website is my customer service guy that, that's in Washington oh so yeah he, you've, I've heard you talk about this I was gonna ask you about how that yeah, worked yeah, yeah. Um, so I've been through a few people. I, I would say it, it's very hard. It's not the easiest to find like reliable help, sure. especially that's part time. Right. Uh, right. So I I've, I've found people through Odesk, Freelancer, Craigslist, even Fiverr, just you know, kind of wherever you can find people. Yeah. And the guy that I'm using now, uh, he's pretty reliable. He's been with me for I think more than half a year. So mm -hmm. it's pretty hands off. And so 99% of the calls go straight to him. Okay. And then I think in one of the emails or something or in the invoice when people buy something, I have my Skype number that goes to me. Ah, uh, yes. And what's funny is this morning I was calling my friend who lives in California, in Orange County. And then I get a missed call. And then he says, hey, I'm going to call you back. And then I get a missed call from someone in that same area code. So I just assumed right. it was him. Right, right, right. <laughs> and I called. I'm like, hey, what's up? This is Johnny. <laughs> and they're like, uh, hello, is this, you know. Uh, yeah. And I was like, uh, yes, hi. <laughs> <laughs> and they just had like a small question about something. And I ended up helping them, you know, over the phone with the customer service. And I was like, I was like, you know, that's probably the most I've talked to someone on the phone for months now. Yeah, yeah. But I still sometimes complain. And I, it still, I don't want to say stresses me, but... When I do something, I really try to commit to it 100%. Right. So even though I'm, I don't spend more than half an hour in my stores per day, during those half during that half an hour, I think about it. Like sometimes 
you know, there's a customer who, let's say, has lost a package or shipping's delayed. Yeah. You know, usually something that's really, it's not my fault at all, right, you know, because right. I'm not the one shipping it. But I still feel connected. I still feel concerned for them. Sure, yeah. It's, you know, it still, like, makes me lose sleep. And uh, that is the 100% the only reason why I don't start more stores. Yeah. It's just no. because... I hear you, yeah. Because yeah. you never know when something's going to come up. Mm-hmm. And even if 99% of the orders are totally smooth, it just takes that one order that can be a huge, you know... Uh, time sink mm-hmm. or a huge problem where it just happens to like you said no fault of your own yep. the shipment is lost by UPS or whatever it is and then yeah that, that can sort of it can sort of bring you down you know yeah and I think what I forget is at any job in the world you have these things that come up and it might not be a lost package like in your case like with the autistic kid the stress is probably a lot higher than where is this package I got a call I can't believe I got to email UPS yeah well I just feel I remember um, for the first like month or so that we got here I didn't you know I wasn't really working at all because I have another thing that I'm doing right now to make money which is proofreading for um, court reporters Mm -hmm. so they um, you know the person that sits in court and types up everything they send it to me and I just proofread it and then I can send it back to them but I was still kind of finishing that online class Um, so the first like month that we got here, I was like, I'm sleeping like nine and a half hours a night. Like nothing wakes me. I'm feeling so great. And you know, as soon as I start just getting like, I'll think about that's, I mean, it's probably a personal problem, but that's when I start thinking about things when I'm trying to fall asleep, like little things on my mind. And yeah, so it's like any job you have, you're going to think about that sometimes. And I was like, wow, that was so nice. when I had literally nothing to think about. I was just sleeping forever. But yeah, any, anything, any job is going to, yeah, there's going to be stuff that can be on your mind. One more thought I just Mm -hmm. wanted to say on terms of talking to customers is, you know, it's definitely not all bad either that one thing I actually like about talking to my customers sometimes is that you can number one just meet some you know nice interesting people but I can also learn some things about my products Mm -hmm. or what are they buying it for how are they using it or a lot of times my customers know more about you know archery or whatever it is they're specifically doing than I do and mm-hmm. I can just start asking them questions and I can learn some a lot of times I've learned things just from talking to them and uh, so that kind of thing I think is is beneficial and then and when you talk to a customer and they they sort of then get to have a relationship with you and they think oh well George he's a really nice guy I'll you know I talk to him I'll go back and order from him next time instead mm-hmm. of going to some other guy so yeah, 100% I agree with that. Especially in the beginning, like the first six months, I would encourage everyone to answer their own calls. Right. Just because yeah. I know for me, I learned so much about my niche. I learned so much about customer service and I found out all the different problems that people right. are having. And I think the reason why my stores are so hands-off now is every time there was a problem, instead of just ignoring it, I would fix it. Exactly. I would either yeah. add it to the FAQ, I would make it more clear on the website, right. I would make the process right. easier. Yeah, that's that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. and but yeah, it's, it's, sometimes I forget because it's been you know two and a half years now. Uh, in the beginning, that first six months or probably even first year, I was doing a lot of that, you know, and I was constantly tweaking, and I was I loved talking to people on the phone, especially because I knew that ninety nine percent of those became sales. Exactly right. That's yeah. true as well. Yeah, once you get on the phone, you know that you can help. Yeah. Help them answer their questions and uh, help them, you know, uh, place an order. So Yeah, because, I mean, I figure someone's going to call in. They're not calling in just to, you know, say hi to, to Johnny. Yeah, exactly, right. <laughs> you know, they're calling because <laughs> they want to buy something. <laughs> and I actually feel bad, to be honest, because I know my stores could do so much better. I actually have, like, a long, massive to-do list of things that I want to change on it. Yeah. It's just that it hasn't been my priority. And I figured, I was like, you know what, sales are pretty steady. And I was like, it still pays the bills. I'm still pretty happy with it. Just let it sit, you know. But, you know. I think that's pretty common. I have a huge long to-do list as well, (laughs) which is never-ending. And, yeah, I I hear you there. (laughs) But what you said earlier, I mean, you said that the company that you worked for was like a bigger e-commerce store? Uh, Yeah, yeah, certainly bigger than I am. And were they like, do they sell like a niche item or do they sell kind of everything? No, they were more of a broad-based type thing as well. Right. Yeah, yeah. So they were kind of all over the map. Okay. and So like a Wayfair uh, or Hay Needle? Yes, exactly. Okay. Stuff like that. Are you allowed so, to say who they are? 
Uh, no, Probably I don't not. think okay. so. That's yeah. alright. <laughs> but so if you guys aren't familiar with like Way, Way um, Hay Needle and Wayfair, they're kind of like I guess I don't know. I mean, like what what is actually the story behind those those kind of big companies that dropship everything now? I don't. Yeah, I don't. Those I don't know too much about those. They I know that it seems like they have. I don't know if they have lots of little uh, domains mm-hmm. where they sell specific niches on different domains. Or I think they how, used. How, yeah, how I think they, they used to. They they almost. I'm almost 100% sure uh, that there was just some guy that had one niche store that was like, oh, this this is working well. I think so, and too. And created another one, and then another one, and another one. Yeah. And Hired employees, crazy. scaled it up. Totally, totally. Yeah, I've seen them selling, I think, Wayfair, at least, on Amazon as well. Yeah. Uh, so they're everywhere, yeah. And eventually they were like, oh, well, now that we have 20 or 30 niche stores, let's, let's build a brand. Right. Let's put it all on a... Yeah, you know, I've seen it because I've seen, like, specific stores, and then it'll say, like, a hay needle store. Oh, okay, yeah, I see. And so I think they probably, those are probably still in existence, and then now they're like, okay, well, if we're going to get that customer anyways, we might as well get them to, to buy other stuff. Right. So right. kind of just like Amazon where, you know, they may not make a lot of money off of each item, but they know that you're a customer for life. Right, right. And it's just the volume they have from so many stores, so many items, probably millions of items. And then, yeah, just that's uh, they're growing a business. So. Yeah. And it's it's interesting kind of hearing from your story where you, you've done kind of all of those. You've done everything. <laughs> a little bit of everything, yeah, yeah. Um, but, I'm you know, I'm still kind of still evolving. I feel like I'm always trying to learn new things and if uh something's not working i'll just kind of drop it and try something else Mm -hmm. and uh you know i know that there's there's even getting back to amazon i've thought about you mentioned sourcing from china like a private label type of thing so that's i think been on my mind a lot lately that i'd love to try that i'm hearing Mm -hmm. so many success stories of people doing really well with uh, coming up with their own product, having it made, send it into FBA, and mm-hmm. then you know really uh, killing it there, so that you can make better margins yeah. and, and own the product and not have to worry about all the competition. So, well, with your niche, I would definitely look into that because you have all the data, you know what sells, you know what right. people are buying already. Right. So I think it'd be a very easy, logical next step. Yeah. You know, if somebody had no idea. You know, and they were just getting into it, and they're like, "Hey, I want to make, you know, I want to import ten thousand dollars worth of, right, you know, right. You know. yeah, <laughs> that, that's pretty risky." Yeah, I think whatever you pick, you want to probably start smaller, you know, not ten thousand, but something smaller, just to kind of make sure it works. But yeah. uh, well, but you know, I've also yeah. I've heard that that's actually a major issue is if people start too small. Let's say they order like a hundred units or twenty units, oh, it okay. kind of just dis- it destroys their seller rating. Uh, just because right. they ran out of stock and then it takes them four months to get it back that's true yeah. and then other people saw that it's doing well and they get it first <laughs> yeah that can be a problem too yeah. it's it's kind of a fine line because you don't want to have too much inventory yeah. and get stuck with it and if you have a great product obviously you never want to run out if you can avoid it but. yeah and also I think with uh, with Amazon for most people they give away like a hundred products yeah, that seems to be common as well. I don't know. I'm not sure I buy into that. I don't know if that's really necessary, but I think people go a little overboard trying mm-hmm. to get reviews right off the bat. Um, whereas if you, you know, if you just have a good product and you start getting some organic sales, then if the product is good, you should get good reviews for it. And mm-hmm. you know, it might take a little more time to to grow, but at least you're not just losing tons of money. Yeah, I think people just are on a rush to get to the first page because that's right. that's when they know they're going to make a lot of money. Right, uh, right. I would definitely say you know it's you need to have a you know you need to have some reviews first. True. You know, and whether yeah. you're sending it to your friends or your family, you right. need to get the ball rolling. You know? yeah, yeah, that's true. But because I know like when I shop, I'll look and if a product has zero reviews, I, I just won't buy it. Yeah, that's just, true. Yeah, and especially if it's like a brand you never heard of, that's yeah. just like you know Johnny's brand it's, yeah. it's, uh, it's yeah. Johnny's cowboy hats <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so what, where are you two going to travel next how long are you staying in Chiang Mai for um, we are leaving here early August um, we're going to go down to Bangkok for a week because 
we haven't been there and we feel like if we're in Thailand we should probably at least see it even though it doesn't quite appeal to us like Chiang Mai did and like some of the islands do and then we're going to Bali which has been my dream destination for years and years and when nice. I picture Southeast Asia I picture beaches and ocean and I moved to San Diego because I love the beach so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm feeling a little landlocked here but um yeah, so we're going to go to Bali next and uh, spend a month or six weeks or so there and uh, I think come back to Thailand and check out the islands a little bit. Mm-hmm. And we plan to travel through the whole area, um, maybe not live in for as long in like Vietnam and Cambodia and Laos, but definitely travel through, see them, maybe spend some time in the Philippines. The world tour. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're trying to... Oh, in Australia and New Zealand. We're going to get there for their summer, so... Wow. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, that's kind of the rough plan. Stick around Southeast Asia the rest of this year, and mm-hmm. then Australia and New Zealand probably early next year, maybe some Europe uh, next spring, summer. Kind of... We were really kind of playing by year, you know. So far, it's got a one-way ticket to Chiang Mai, and now we have a one-way ticket to Bali, and then, you know, we'll figure it out I as, like as it. we go, mm-hmm. so... And you had mentioned that you're going to come back in October? Yes, we're going to Anton's uh, retreat mm-hmm. uh, in early October. I forget the dates exactly, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, that should be a lot of fun. I was, you know, I remember hearing about it happening last year. I think mm-hmm. it was last October, maybe in Chiang Mai. And, yep. and at the time, I was, I was sort of thinking, oh, I wish I was there. Maybe I can just cruise over there for a week and of course they never did it but now this year when I heard about it happening this year and I'm already living in this part of the world I figured gotta check it out so so so, la- so tell me about last year when you when you heard about it where, like where were you last October uh, in San Diego uh-huh. just kind of doing my thing you know uh, getting ready usually October is kind of like crunch time trying to do all the stuff I'm trying to get ready for Christmas rush you know holidays is like kind of crazy for me usually or for a lot of online retailers where the sales really spike so mm-hmm. just yeah just living in San Diego working and and uh you know I had heard about heard about the retreat and and thought well yeah I'm, I'm sure it would be fun but yeah I just didn't make it happen so. like would be nice but life life yeah, is in the way yeah exactly <laughs> and at that time we had also already been deep in talking about leaving San Diego and leave and do and eventually moving to Chiang Mai anyway we were thinking sometime in the spring we ended up leaving San Diego in May and so you know I kind of knew we were going to be there eventually anyway so well this year the retreat's going to be in the islands so I think it'll be even even more fun yeah no it sounds awesome I've seen some of the pictures there I haven't been to that part of Thailand neither one of us has but looks amazing just the sunsets and all that stuff so aside from the island itself and the sunsets, like the actual retreat, what what made you sign up for? What were you looking forward to? Um, again, I think just like signing up for the course, I'm really just, it's kind of a combo of things. One is just trying to find a couple little nuggets. Mm-hmm. Like out of those few days, if I find one thing like that I can do differently, that's going to give me an extra few hundred dollars in sales per month that's fantastic and then you know meeting some other like-minded people and just kind of trying to do some networking and and uh you know should be should be fun and hey and jackie are you, are you just there to tag, tag along or yes. you, are you yeah. <laughs> so she's just kind they of said there were some the social ride. events in the evening so yeah and i'll be sitting on the beach hopefully <laughs> proofreading because i can do that like, anywhere <laughs> yeah there should be a lot of a lot of fun stuff going on in the afternoons and the evenings i guess so. i think it's really, really exciting and you're gonna meet a ton, ton of cool people so jackie back to the proofreading how did mm-hmm. you get into that um well my Basically, we had been talking about this trip for like a year, and I was really trying to figure out what I would be able to do to make money. Um, was not so into the drop shipping idea. I was asking him a lot more about it, and just kind of didn't think it was right for me, and um, especially because I didn't know how much money it could make right away, and I wanted to keep my job right up until we left, so because I knew I would have income coming in for as long as possible, so I didn't think I would have the time to devote to it, and then I didn't think it would you know, make money that quickly. So basically all my friends knew I was trying to come up with stuff. I did, you know, I was looking online for just other things you can do remotely. And um, a friend in San Diego is also tries to, has entrepreneur, she goes to different 
I don't know what she does. She goes to different <laughs> conferences and stuff, like she's meets an, other people. She's an entrepreneur, Katie. Yeah, yeah. she's fantastic. Yeah. yeah, and so she met somebody at one of her conferences who, uh, some guy who said his wife was starting this class. Um, I think it just launched in February, um, just teaching people exactly how to proofread transcripts for court reporters, mm-hmm. and you know that you can you can do it anywhere. Um, and so I was just kind of looking into it and I was like, yeah, I mean, I've always kind of been someone that has an eye for that. You know, friends would just have me like, you know, proofread free to paper to turn in for class or whatever. And I just felt like it was something I could do. So, um, I signed up for the course. It was entirely online. I, uh, I started trying, you can really, you could probably do it in a couple of months, but things got kind of crazy for me when I was working and we were trying to plan this trip and all. So I took like a month or two off and then just kind of picked it up again around April or May and yeah I completed it a few weeks okay. after we got here and then I've found clients already so I've already you know made money on this I've, nice I've, uh, just how, how much is that course you took um it has gone up a lot okay. when I, I was I signed up like right when it started and she had one of those promotional deals and um she's added a ton of content it's actually like exploded I think she marketed it really really oh, well nice. um and it is exploded and she's added I probably like three times the content that it even had when I okay. started so she charged I think I think it's around nine hundred dollars now okay. but I paid under three hundred okay. way back in in February so that's what happens when a, when a course is good right <laughs> and it it's actually, good and it works, and it works yeah. <laughs> yeah and then otherwise I mean it's like a ten dollar app for the iPad that you do it on, and I didn't have an iPad, and so my parents got me one for my oh, birthday. That's nice. And that's that's all you need, really. Happy birthday! Thank. Oh, it was a while ago, but thank you. <laughs> uh, what's the course called? Um, the well, the website is proofreadanywhere.com, mm-hmm. uh, and it's I think the course officially is transcript proofreading theory and practice. Uh, that's long, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have a link to it in the show notes. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's really cool because I haven't met anybody in Chiang Mai that does that. You know, we meet so many people that work remotely, yeah. and you know, yeah, and I didn't think the neat. drop shipping was right for me. It is pretty cool that I found something that I, I think is right for me, and mm. you know, there's just a lot of stuff you can do if you look into it that you can do from anywhere. So yeah, like I can, I 100% think that everyone has different personalities. That would would fit different different things. Like mm-hmm. I would be terrible at proofreading. Like yeah, I wrote two here. books and I didn't proofread either of them. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't like doing it. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> but, but like, like I don't mind doing like you know like the Joshua stuff. Like to me that was like I was like oh wow like that sounds exactly what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Right. So I do believe that there is something out there for everyone. Right. And what I love about doing the show is. I get to pick people's brains and just kind of find out like what else is there because I thought I've heard it all. Right. Yeah. And this is something completely new. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like there is there's so much stuff. If you, a lot of stuff I was seeing. If you were a teacher or if you just had like a knowledge of something, you know, more it's more easy if it's like a you know school or college subject. You can just like have a class online. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. The, so, so much stuff. <laughs> with this course that you took, was it a requirement for you to get the job or did it just help give you the tools and training you needed to get the job? It's not a requirement. I think she said somewhere that it's like the first course of its kind that does this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have no, I have no legal background. I have no, like, I wasn't an English major, like nothing like that. And so basically it just, it gave me everything I needed because I knew nothing. I didn't even know this was a career really. Mm-hmm. And it was just... Yeah, you just it just teaches you, you know, some specific grammar rules and then some specific things to court reporting because it's much different than like editing a book because yeah. you can't everything on the page is like word for word what was said and you can't change that. Mm-hmm. So um, <laughs> it's yeah, it's a lot different, but yeah, I mean, she tells you everything in the course how to how to find clients and. Um, was it pretty easy to find clients? Like, how did you go about that? I emailed them because that was basically I, that. Was, I mean, I was a little limited. I think if you could start in the U.S getting your clients then you could travel and have your clients and it would probably be a little bit easier um i basically just emailed them um i found a list online um you just kind of there's various ways she says in the course to find email addresses um and i just yeah emailed them saying i was a court reporter and i was you know wondering if they were looking for one Mm -hmm. and i yeah got some responses so that's it, easy. Yeah, I mean, they, there's other things you can do. You can you can call. I mean, I did one of them. I emailed, and she wanted to talk to me, so I yeah. just told her. Yeah, I told her I'm in Thailand. I'll call you from Skype, and yeah. she was like, "All right, cool." So, and now yeah, she sent me work. So yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, there's other things you can go into agencies. Some people like shadow court reporters. You know, some people cold call, mm-hmm. um, which a lot of that stuff wasn't as much of an option for me. But 
Yeah, I've already found some. And so. just out of curiosity, like, how, like, what's the, more like, how well do they pay? Um, it's paid. You're paid per page. Okay. So it, you know, like if you're thinking about hourly or salary, it yeah. obviously depends how much you do. Um, I think like 35 to 40 cents per page um and then it's it's like that font that you know it's not that hard to read it's like um and then you know for like rush jobs that they're needed within 24 or 48 hours you can charge more um for certain certain ones you can charge a little bit more but so is it one of those things where you can like live comfortably just doing this full-time or is it like a part-time thing i think you can um i'm definitely not there because i am going really slowly right now i want to make sure i turn in quality work so they want to use me and refer me and i'm spending way more time than i uh, probably need to be but i mean my my idea is you know practice makes perfect i'll get better i'm gonna get faster um and yeah i mean the woman who started the course was doing it full-time she like i have like a few reporters now she I think she said she had 20 to 30 when she was just doing that full time mm-hmm. and she was making tons of money I think she says on the website how much okay. she made and now I'm sure she's doing even better with this course but um yeah I think I mean I think they say it's something stay-at-home moms can do and I think ideally people want to do it full-time rather than you know supplement they want to get out of the nine-to-five you know what's funny is like if so if I didn't know you if I didn't meet you in person and and I just like saw this website somewhere, and I know this this isn't your website or anything, but if I just uh-huh. saw like let's just say like I just saw this website somewhere, I'd be like, this sounds like a scam. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I think well, partly because my friend had actually met her husband, and so uh-huh. there was like a I don't know, not that close of a connection, but like, and I did research it a lot, but there wasn't like testimonials really at that mm-hmm. point because I think I signed up like maybe before it even launched, um, but. I don't know. And I was. I remember asking him, like, look at this website. Do you think it's a scam? And I was, like, really (laughs) unsure. But I think because it really wasn't that much that I spent at the time. and Yeah, it seemed like to me it was worth a shot. And it's. I think because we did have our friend Katie recommend it that it seemed like, okay, I think this is legit. And, you know, exactly. If if it was just something found out of the blue, maybe it would have been a little more leery, but Mm -hmm. it seemed, it seemed pretty legit to me. And it seemed like, yeah, she's doing something right. Cause she's, there are, I mean, it's exploded in the last few months. You know what you should do since you're a member of the course and obviously it's worked for you a hundred percent, you should email her and just say, can I become an affiliate? For your I, course. That's exactly what I told her as well. I said, yeah, if you're going to be out there talking about it or telling <laughs> people about it, you should be getting commissions because yeah, yeah. why wouldn't you, right? Yeah. And right. the thing is, you took the risk of signing up before there was all these testimonials out there, you know, all this information out there, uh, and you went through the process and then you kind of proved it. And you're kind of you're know, you're kind of one of the reasons why she's able to charge more money for it now, uh, as well as why like it's easier for other people to get into it. Cause mm-hmm. like now after someone has heard, you know, you talk about it, they're going to be a lot more confident to sign up for this mm-hmm. course than if they had just stumbled on it. You know, they just saw right. an ad or something for it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, so true. She should be thrilled to, to pay a commission. <laughs> yeah. if she can get another, any, yeah. another, any more signups. It's great. You know, I mean, I get, yeah, I guess part of me feels the market could get saturated. Like how many court reporters are there out mm-hmm. there? But I mean, that hasn't been an issue for me. Yeah, I think if you're good, I mean, that's the thing. That's why I'm spending so much extra time on my first ones because if you're good, they're going to want to use you. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot out there. And if you're doing it part-time, you only need a couple, really, yeah. and you're, you're good. And, I mean, here's the thing. is like I actually went through this in Crossroads when I first decided, like, should I talk about Anton's course or not? Mm-hmm. Because I'm like, this is working. Right, <laughs> right. And I was like, I can get, you know, I can make a couple hundred bucks to, when I every time I refer someone to Anton's course, which is nice, mm-hmm. but I'm also creating all these new job shippers. There's more competition. That's right? more competition, yeah. and it yeah. was a hard decision. But I was like, you know what? And when it comes down to, it, I wish somebody would have told me about this when I started, mm-hmm. and it's paid off. I mean, yeah. it's paid off like a hundred thousand fold now because not only yeah. are my stores still doing fine, <laughs> I've it's forced me to to learn so much more about it. And because I'm always talking about it, I'm learning. I'm picking people's brains. I'm meeting more people. They're mm-hmm. helping me. Yeah. I'm like helping exactly. them. With, yeah, and I'm helping them with their sites. I learn from that as well. And then now I have all these other streams of income. Not only do I have the the affiliate income, but then I have more stores. And then now I even have my own affiliate training course. You know, so you never know what what's going to lead you right. to. Well, I guess I, I guess I'm not like concerned personally for myself. Like, oh, if I tell some people about it, then uh-huh. I won't be able to get work anymore. But I'm just there's just so many people in the course and so many going through it all the time. I'm like, is there going to be a time when you know if I tell someone about it in a year, mm-hmm. then they're not going to be able to find work as easily? But 
I'm sure they will. If they're yeah. good, they will. Right. I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm, with, I'm with you, Johnny. I'm all for, you know, spreading the wealth and sharing information. And I think there's there's room out there for all of us to, to make money and create business. And especially you're talking about selling stuff online. Just the, the e-commerce or online retail market is just growing every year like crazy and just every single year more and more people are going to be buying stuff online and it's just going going to continue to grow like crazy so yeah i I definitely agree what this actually this conversation reminded me of is you know those vocational schools where for a while like dental assistants will get really popular Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And then they're like, you know, they'll, they'll promote that a lot and say like, everyone should sign up and, and take this two-year dental assistance course. Right. And by the time all those people, you know, come out to the market, there's a lot less jobs. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And, it's, and, yeah. it's a little cyclical, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then they might do it with mechanics mm-hmm. or then they might do mm-hmm. it with like nurses or mm-hmm. whatever it is. But at the same time, I think what it is, is like, I really believe that those like people if they're waiting and waiting for everyone else to be good at it already they're gonna say okay this 100 percent now works because now i've met 20 people who yeah. are doing well with it mm-hmm. it's you know they've been sitting on their butt they probably heard about it six months ago mm-hmm. or two years ago exactly. and they should have right. jumped on it right yeah you know? right i mean it's like someone investing in stocks after a right. hundred <laughs> other people have <laughs> said how great it is yeah, it's yeah. less effective than yeah <laughs> yeah and, you know, that's what I like about our community is, and, you know, us as kind of these bootstrapping entrepreneurs, where we can try new stuff. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, if it wasn't for you moving out here and quitting your job, you probably never would have started this court reporting thing. Mm-hmm. Probably you know, not, yeah. Even if you heard about it, you might be like, uh, you know, that sounds like it could work. Right. But you would probably put it off, right? Yeah, and... I would, my job my job is exhausting so yeah. I don't want to come home and do like take this course you know when I was working full time so I probably wouldn't have <laughs> yeah. me personally but I mean I know a lot of people are doing it with a full time job but well thank you both for, for being on the show I, I, that was that was this conversation the keywords for this are going to be all over the place bro. yeah covered a lot of ground <laughs> yeah thank you Johnny we really appreciate it yeah thank you yeah I like it so if, you, if they want to keep in touch they want to look at your blogs your websites where can they go so my site is georgesports.com and my blog is yourautismwhisperer.com alright see you guys next week bye bye thank you for listening to the Travel Like a Boss podcast if you want to hear more including the bonus how to choose the perfect niche episode Join our mailing list at travellikeabosspodcast.com. See you next week. And remember, if you want to travel like a boss, you need to be your own boss. So start your online business today and start living the lifestyle you've always dreamed of.